what does it mean to be a coach that does science stuff? Because now, you know, it's interesting that two PhDs and a guy that is a CEO of a tech, you know, company organization, we're over here saying, make sure you're a coach that does science things. And there's just so many science and technology options for coaches nowadays. How do you advise coaches to still be a coach and not do the dumb thing like I mentioned at my old school where an administrator purchased something that is bad technology because it was a shiny object? Like how do you avoid shiny uh, object syndrome? The, the machine that goes bing. Um, yeah, yeah, Monty Python. Listen, <laughs> I, I think um, I, I guess to put context to it, and this doesn't really happen until you get a bit older, but I'm a big believer in um, self-reflection and, and really having to think about what you're doing. And, and, uh, like I said, like the, the Terminator thing, I'm constantly reviewing, um, what I do. So for instance, I used to have people come and visit my facility. Like, you know, coaches come and visit yeah. and I'd show them, I'd show them everything. Right. And then I would drill them hard and be going like, what do you think of that? And what, you know, I want you to review it. Tell me hard. What do you think? What do you think? So I think it's the same thing is trying to, define what you are. So I wanted to be a coach. I still want to be a coach. I still coach high school now. I, I, and I think that in itself is a massive thing. I, I've i felt so much more uh, uh, fulfillment, I suppose is the word, coaching kids in the last couple of years and damaged kids at times, a lot of rehab, um, and getting them to play, you know, their senior year of football at school. And that's the best football I'll ever play. doesn't matter. They've had a cracking year and that's it. Then you get a couple that go on with it, but that's, and that's fine. But I think when you say that that's the science and coaching balance. So number one is inquisitive mind. So, yep, I became a coach and I tried to learn and like lots of coaches, mate, people go out and read. Dudes go and buy books. You see it on people tweet it all the time. Buy this book, buy that book. Cool. You're reading that work, but it's also not a bad idea to learn some other stuff. So, well, when we start talking about what real difference is, it's not a bad idea to understand a little bit of the maths, the statistics about what we're doing so that we, we're not kidding ourselves because you can bullshit to yourself. And if you get go up the chain and there's no one above you to say, hey, you're bullshitting, you know, so I think you've got to have a hard, a hard barometer on yourself um, which is why I chose the path of doing a PhD to make this product, SpeedSig, because I didn't want to just flip something out. I wanted it to be well-respected and well-regarded and, and it to be legit. I don't want to be – I'm not out there to peddle rubbish. I'm trying to legitimately make my, my group, my crew, my profession, my community better. I'm trying to help them be better. I think I need to be better. Like I told you at the beginning, I'm the front of the queue that needs to be better. <clears throat> How can speed sig help out? And I'm thinking like the physio athletic trainers and any of the athletic trainers that are actually good at understanding running mechanics. This is not directed at you, <clears throat> but there are a majority of ATs and physios that yes, they're the ones that might be in charge of doing the rehab because like you said, they have the medical licensing, but they don't understand sprint mechanics as well as yeah. a track as a strength coach does. Right. How can this teach them and still help them? And maybe even some of the, the novice strength coaches that don't understand, like how can they utilize this slash be able to learn proper running mechanics? 
So what, what we're planning to do is build some online education tools around it that people can utilize to build a framework. Now, the way I built SpeedSig was around the, um, the metrics that are out there. Like just, for instance, ground contact time. We've got ground, we have flight time, we've got um, stride length, stride frequency, all that, like they're, they're terminologies that are widely accepted, right? So we wanna use those. The problem is we learn about them in, uni in university, we hear them and we read a book and we pass a test, but you don't actually know what happens. You know, so when you look at like um, a classic one is Aki Sala wrote a magnificent paper about the modulation of stride length and stride frequency, yep. right? And how they, how they vary between individuals. Well, it would be quite challenging for a lot of people to be told, fourth chapter of my PhD was about classification. So different people run differently. I've got wide, I've seen wide receivers, I've got the data, wide receivers that are big heel strike athletes but they move. I'm not saying they're, they're never going to be like an Olympic athlete probably, but for their job, for what they do, they move great and they get picked and they play. But their way of generating speed is a little bit different to others. Mate, Stu McMillan talks about it all the time, pushers and pullers, right? There's different types of running. Now, when you look at a singular population, which is, let's say, track and field, 100-meter running, they're all going to be more homogenous. They're all yeah. going to be more the same. See, that's how I use big science words. Right <laughs> you got it. We got to use those big pieces of paper sometimes, right? <laughs> I've got, I've got all the, I got my key words written in front of me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So you look at a homogenous population; they're going to kind of all be the same. But when you look at a population like a football community, where you've got a wide receiver. You've got a running back. Now you can have two types of running back. You can have yeah, a running back. I was going to say that you might have your scat back. You might have your slot receiver, yeah, yeah, your yeah. deep threat, right? Like even check, differences check, within check. tight end. Like you're going to have oh, profiles yeah. within football. And then hearing you say that makes me think like, okay, baseball players, you're going to have your baseball players that have their certain profile, whether they're a speedster, yeah. right? Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. So that way you get notifications of when more content like this gets released. So Click that like and subscribe button. And with that, let's get back to the show. And they've said baseball players have got to rip around the around the diamond. So you want to understand, and I, and this is my, I don't know if you want to call it my thesis, is if we profile first, so before you make a decision about what a kid is, let's get a picture of Let's get him tell you or she tell you what they are. Don't enforce my perspective on them. Now, you may then decide that, yes, we know that things like, um, you know, the old the the, um, the attack from the top. Like we want to hit that ground. We want higher foot velocity approaching the ground. I will tell you from my work and the data I've got, and we're working on about, I don't know, I think we're about forty thousand samples at the moment. So when we run modelling, it's there's a fair bit there. But that attack from the top, I think, is one hundred percent right. I, I, our data concurs completely, and the kids that are coming faster to the ground move quicker. When you have kids with a hamstring injury or, um, let's say, an ACL and they've had a hamstring graft, they lose that attack on the ground. It changes their ground contact time. It changes they get more braking profile. So this doesn't answer your question about learning running mechanics, but what does the, the easier way to learn mechanics is to start talking about it in context and start seeing, well, that's what that runner is. Here's some numbers around it. 
this is how they differ. This is how athlete A differs to athlete B. And then for an strength coach to say, well, if we've got a puller, we've got a kid who's a little bit longer on the ground, so he's got a little bit more ground contact time. His center of mass is going to drop a little bit more. He's trying to pull. He's got to pull across the earth hard, horizontally. So his, his posterior hip strength needs to be stronger. Particularly, like I've seen that, um, I one of my, um, my, I guess my pitch, so to speak, I do three case studies. And I've got a kid, a wide receiver, who's exactly that. Blew a hamstring out, proximal hamstring tendon, running a 200-meter you know, in track and field at high school, uh-huh. right-hand hamstring, comes into football, and the, the team's saying, well, the kid's not injured technically, but yeah. we're really concerned about injury prevention. So we, we modelled him, we had a look, and we said, well, his ground contact time is quite massive, but that's how he does it. But the difference was he wasn't as strong as he – he was only just on average for the group in posterior hip strength. He got his posterior hip strength up above the group, his contact times improved. He was able to tack the ground a bit more. Yeah, they improved, but he still played fast. Kid never, you know, he didn't get injured again. I don't think he was a brilliant player. But our objective as coaches is not necessarily to always create the end, you know, the NFL superstar. We've got to get the kids that come That's to us, point. we've got to get them on the park, right? That's our responsibility. That's our a good responsibility point. is to the player. And you talked about the pushers and pullers, but talk to the listeners out there about like, what about your vertical or horizontal emphasis or, you know, your over or under rotators? Like how, how can that get improved as well? Yeah. Well, what we see without, so we have, um, we created part of my PhD was looking at the sensor waveforms and how we could equate that to a force plate. So we have three surrogate representations of force. I say surrogate, because I'm not measuring force, but I'm measuring the change. Our the change in pattern in our in our data is the same as the change in pattern you would expect on a force plate. So we're seeing a change because that's the body center of mass moving, right? So we're able to acquire that. Was I did that in my PhD? Now that signal really does give us an emphasis on well, who's pulling on the ground hard, who's pushing vertically, so we can see the kids who go predominantly up, um, and equally because one of our particular nuances is we place the, the, the uh, catapult units on the lumbar spine with a custom-made belt. And because you're at the center of mass, we actually get a lateral signal. So we get a real strong signal on hip lock, all right? So how hip lock, so when you, um, you can see the strong kids have got a great hip lock and you get a kid coming off a, um, uh, like a Liz Frank fracture, a foot fracture or syndesmosis, that stuff where they've been, on crutches for a while, you see that hip lock just flatten out. So in terms of the under and over rotators, they're always going to be related to stride length. So I've got my big hamstring we're dealing with at the moment is a kid who's in anterior rotation, he's big arch in the back and he's spinning out the back. And there are some other ways to look at, um, at the point at which the mass of your recovery leg, where that sits, as your body weight transfers across foot, across the foot is is an interesting concept. We're we're doing some work on that. Um, at this point, I usually break out a whiteboard and we we draw some pictures. <laughs> Mate, I, I love a whiteboard and coloured pens. Like they're everywhere. Oh, oh yeah, I mean I got a big old whiteboard right behind me in the oh. office. You know, like I need it. It's right up on the wall. Yeah. I don't know how big it is, but I mean it's big enough. It gets the job done, right? 
Yeah, yeah. But that's but this is the thing. Like, so if we can branch for a second back to your your question about being a high performance manager, one of the best places I ever found was the whiteboard. Let's get on the whiteboard and draw some shit. You're not sure? Let's draw. This is what it looks like. This is what I'm this is what I'm seeing. Are you seeing this? And show them, educate, engage, work together. Don't talk at people. You know, engage them. Here, grab a pen. You show me what you're doing. What are you seeing? And they buy in, right? And it's the same as an athlete. You, you know how to work them and get them in with you. Um, so anyway, that's just winding back to that other subject. But as far as, um, you know, SpeedSig as a whole, the, the aim is to try and try and get the lab as close to the field as we can. Now, I'm not going to say we compete with a lab. We're never going to because a lab's gold standard, right? But if you can only use gold standard like once a year ever because mm. I never – Then how I've gold is it really if that's all yeah, you can that's use? Yeah, that's right. It. It's not right. usable. So getting – getting and, and our data is valid. Our data is reliable. We've, we've published um, – We've just been, we've done um, JSCR. Um, literally, I got an email last night saying it's good to go. So hopefully that will be online any day now. It's all edited and good to go. But the point of that is we, we need to have solid data regularly and then we can, de- and we can detect change, right? So are we going to be as good when we're never going to be as good as the sort of work that JB and, and, and Peter Wayne and all those guys but we can't be because we're not in labs and we're on the field and we need to be on the field all the time. And one, one of the key things, and this is sort of a thing you were hinting on before I felt was that part of what I want to do with SpeedSig is make the, make the coach's job easier, right? So make the data process as fast as possible 